Jeannie Does Carversville, Part 1. Jeannie stood at the base of the worn, wide steps to the porch of the house where she had touched a penis for the first time. Because everyone had talked about getting hard, she was surprised at how soft it was, the skin, the mushroom top with the slit in it. She never laid eyes on it. Both their hands and fingers were exploring beneath clothing as they awkwardly sat on the couch, feet on the floor. She and Seth were kissing at the same time, their bodies twisting with the effort of it all, his fingers rubbing up and down under her panties too roughly to be sensual, though to have other fingers down there at all was surprisingly pleasing. She had other memories from this house, too, but that was the most poignant. It was a good memory, not because she came for the first time or anything, far from it, but Seth genuinely liked her, and he came, which was nice. It made her feel like she did a good job. Either that, or boys were just so easy to please. Her 49-year-old self hadn't been up these steps in 35 years, and she wasn't sure why she was here now. She had traveled 4,500 miles to visit her increasingly frail father, giving her stepmom a break. Jeannie was taking care of her father for a week while Francine went to visit her oldest and dearest friend in another state, and now Jeannie was the one who needed the break, after only three days. Fox News, CNN, The Weather Channel, episode after episode of Heartland. Her pre-dementia father would never, in a million years, have watched that show. He had been a Bond man, a fan of spy thrillers, both in book and movie form. He had loved going to the movies, and he took her to see all the action flicks when they had come out. Superman, Star Wars, Indiana Jones, she could go on. She double-checked that her phone was on so her father could reach her if he forgot what time she said she was coming back. The decline in her father's memory and ability for conversation was rapid, and she began wondering when he would forget who she was, what that would feel like. They were never close, but Jeannie and her dad had a teasing banter that was theirs alone. The last movie they saw together had been three years ago when he came out to visit her. It was Jojo Rabbit, and though she wasn't sure how much of it he could follow— they sat there together while the credits rolled, misty. She hesitated, then realized she wouldn't get this moment again, so patted his warm, slightly bony hand. He looked at her with a soft smile, and they rose to leave. Where she grew up was both a rural and well-to-do part of Bucks County, Pennsylvania. Not Amish country, but near where Washington had crossed the Delaware, an event that would not have been remembered had that Christmas campaign not been successful. When he was a child, her father lived at historical Quarter Horse Farm, where Washington and his generals had planned the famed offensive. Since then, nearby New Hope had transformed into an artist colony, turned boutique shopping and dining town. This last iteration had been crucial for Jeannie as a teenager. New Hope was where Jeannie had all her first summer jobs, dishwashing, busing, working a counter. It's not that she needed the money, not really, but her dad wanted her to work, not sit around all day. This was before she was 16 and her dad bought her a 10-speed to get around. She rode the hell out of that thing. No internet, no good daytime TV, no friends on her long country road. Her siblings already out of the house. Of course she did. She still loved riding a bike, this particular form of independent self-transportation that required nothing but an occasional tune-up and some muscle. 
The village of Carversville, where she was now, was a few miles from New Hope, nestled further up the Delaware River, and by modern standards was almost too quaint. Sun-dappled stone buildings, spring houses, the air gently quiet but for the rustling wind through the leaves. Wooden porches had been built nose-to-nose with roads in order to avoid the mud when horses were the norm two centuries before. This familiar house on whose steps her left foot was now resting was a long gray clapboard with red trim, lengthened by addition after addition. She pictured the patchwork of rooms she had walked through as a new teenager, taking in the antique toys on the shelves. It was both a home and a place of business, not a store exactly, more of storage on display. How did Seth's father sell his wares before the internet? He might have been a regular on the Antiques Roadshow. She couldn't remember. The former stable that housed the carriages for guests at the two-story Carversville Inn had been converted into a general store-slash-post office by the summer she touched her second penis, a different summer with a different boy in a different house. This second penis, if memory served, was longer and narrower, though still unseen. She didn't come then either. Her first orgasm ever was self-induced and didn't incur until her junior year in college. From then on, she masturbated while fucking. Otherwise, she could only come via fingering or oral sex. That well-documented inner G-spot must have, might as well have been fiction to her. No boy seemed to mind while she fondled herself through their penetration, retreat, and repeat cycle. Maybe even a turn-on, especially for the one-night stands during her early twenties, who didn't like something a little freaky with someone you knew you'd never see again. Long-term boyfriends, for them, maybe not so much. They never had the honor, nor the ego boost, to make her come from their penis prowess alone. It wasn't their fault, she just wasn't built that way. Though truth be known, sex got boring with the long-termers. Once she discovered masturbation, no living man could compete with the fantasies in her head, which she often had even while with her boyfriends. She needed flirting and hot lust, which only happens in the beginning. So she relied on her fantasies and her fingers to finish the job. She shook her head. She must be a terrible lay. No wonder she never married. Part 2 Jeanie was standing awkwardly halfway up the steps. She used to know quite a few families that lived in the village. She once spilled purple grape juice on a new high-pile white rug in the house across the street from where she was now. The high school girl whose house it was didn't even get mad, said it was stain-proof. Jeanie never found out if that was true, because she was never invited back there. At any rate, that rug was long gone, and so was the girl. Her big house with the smooth white walls was empty behind the tall ash trees fronting the horseshoe driveway. The house was gutted and open like a mouth waiting for a root canal. Match that with the chain-link fence surrounding the Carversville Inn like braces, and the stable turned general store slash post office now empty, save for the piles of boxes she could see through the window. This village's roots had rotted. Oh, what the hell! And with that thought, she walked all the way up the steps. The mismatched furniture on the weathered porch reminded her of clothes on the line. The chairs had recognizable shapes but put together were nowhere close to an ensemble. One table with peeling blue paint was square and empty. The other was round and glass, sporting hardened semicircles of coffee from God knows when. Jeanie wanted to sit down, have the proprietor, Mr. Barker, 
who would have no inkling of her, though she remembered his distracted smile, glasses, and gray beard, come out and greet her and tell her what happened to this village. She knew it was once called Indian Village by the settlers, as only a settler would have named it. Jeanie had no clue what the Lenny Lenape called it. She had never met a single person of Lenape descent. Their existence seemed evidenced mainly through high school sports rivals. Lenape, Nishamini, Hollycong, some town and or road names, Tinicum, Cotalasa, Aquitong. Though she knew she was on the winning side of history, she never really knew what to do with that information, was never confronted enough to need to. Jeanie imagined what it would be like to be so rich that she could buy the village. That's how it happened, according to what she learned. Settlers bought the township bit by bit from the Lenny Lenape, fair and square. She couldn't believe that was the whole story. Who would give up such game-filled, fertile lands near a reliable freshwater source? She could hardly drive down the road now without killing a deer. She sighed. The ones without the guns, that's who. If she bought the place, she'd rehab each of the empty houses and fill them with people she liked and who would build a community, not just Airbnb the shit out of their bedrooms. Or maybe make a tourist destination and hire people to dress in costume, mead served at the inn, Lenape trading post, horse and carriage rides, school field trips where elementary students would get an iron forging demonstration and dip candles. She laughed. More fantasies. Maybe that's why success was as elusive to her as a penis-induced orgasm. What do you want to be when you grow up? As if your career determined who you were. She had a lot of friends. She was a good sister and aunt. She still did stuff like go out dancing. She laughed a lot. That must be a version of success. She walked right up to the large picture window to the left of the screen door. The room was dark, but she could see books. Lots and lots of old-looking books. Was he also a purveyor of first editions? Whoever asked when they were in high school, what does your father do? Come to think of it, she had absolutely no memory of Seth's mother. Her burgeoning teenage brain probably filtered out anything that wasn't relevant to her small world. Boyfriend. I want a soda. How am I getting home? When is he going to call me back? Why is Lisa being so mean? The only reason she knew his dad was into antiques was from looking at the shelves and Seth saying, my dad's into antiques. Otherwise, she probably would have never known. Jeannie hesitated, then eased herself into the wicker chair with mini flower print cushions. This home was the only place that looked inhabited in the whole village, though maybe not occupied at the moment. Lord knows where Seth was now. There had been a quarter pipe in his backyard the summer they dated. She'd never forget his coming off the ramp covered in beads of sweat so much it dripped from his curly brown hair and said, This is the first time I've put on my knee pads in three months. When he said that, she realized how she didn't feel the same, though she didn't have a neglected hobby to prove it. She broke up with him soon after, though he'd done nothing wrong, and from all reports, all reports had broken his heart. One year later, he started dating one of the sweetest friends she had, Jeannie knew she had a hardness to her, an impenetrability. Her eyes narrowed. Is that what it was? Was the G-spot connected to a person's vulnerability? A, willing a willingness to not just allow, but welcome someone in? Jeannie shook her head. How is this visit getting her so stirred up? The screen door banged behind her. She jumped out of her seat. It was Mr. Barker. 
Oh, God, I'm so sorry. I'm visiting the area. I used to live around here, and I uh, was just passing by, and... Jeannie? Jeannie Holden? Mr. Barker squinted from behind his glasses. No longer square lenses framed in thick black plastic. His gray beard was neat and trim. Jeannie thought, seriously, how in the world does he know who I am? Wow, I didn't think you'd remember me. He took a step towards her. You know what they say. You never forget your first. Her mouth dropped open. Mr. Barker laughed. Mr. Seth Barker. You were the first girl I ever fooled around with, and you were the first to break my heart, he chuckled, which I guess makes you doubly hard to forget. Jeannie's knees went watery, and she sat down hard. Oh my God, it's really you. Seth crouched in front of another wicker chair with checked cushions, laced his hand through his legs, and squat pulled the chair closer to her, making a squeaking sound against the floorboards. Jeannie stammered, I'm so sorry to show up like this. I just came here on a whim, you know, to Carversville. Seth leaned forward from his seated position. How the hell have you been? Jeannie laughed. She shook her head. Did she look as old as Seth did? Um, great, you know. I, I live in California, outside of San Francisco. I work for a tech company, and I, um, have a cat. She nodded to keep her momentum. And I, uh, yeah. He leaned back. California. That's great. I've been out there a bunch. Well, back when I was skating. I went pro for a while after high school. He spread his arms wide. Guess I should have gone to college, because after I tore my ACL to shit and lost my sponsors, this became my empire. Doesn't look so bad. I used to love looking at all the stuff on the shelves. Yep, but now that there's the internet, I basically sit at home and receive packages and prepare other packages for shipping. He scratched his beard. I guess I'm an antique Amazon. Jeannie asked, what happened here? Where is everyone? Seth shrugged. Hardly anyone from high school stuck around here, you know that. No one is willing to commute to the city like so many of our parents did. Jeannie nodded. Her father had commuted four hours a day round trip to his banking job in New York City. Plus, so many people went to college, and you know what happens. Your life has a new jumping off point. No tech firms around here, he smiled. Jeannie remembered his easy smile with braces. She had never stopped liking him. She just couldn't handle anyone taking her so seriously. He had a warmth to him as well, a way of making you feel seen. She felt it now. Jeannie leaned forward. So you remember the first time we fooled around? Seth's smile faltered. Yes, and you broke up with me so soon after that that I thought I must have been really bad at it. Well, it's not like I knew what I was doing either, but that's not why I broke up with you. Then why? I was screwed up. My parents had split up just before we started going out, and, well, I got scared, to be honest. Scared? Yeah, when you told me you hadn't put on your knee pads for three months. You know, implying it was because you were so into me. Jeannie shrugged. I freaked out. Now he leaned forward until their faces were close. He smelled like incense. I was so into you. And you say you're single now. Jeannie's face grew hot. She hadn't been this turned on in a while. Her voice was hoarse. Yes. He stood and offered her his hand, which she took. May I welcome you inside? 
Still holding her hand, he led her into the front room of first edition books and let the screen door bang behind them. A thought ran through Jeannie's mind. I think I'd like to welcome you inside, too. At least I'd like to try. Jeannie said, maybe we can take our shoes off this time. She clapped her hand over her mouth, not believing she just said that out loud. An old Mother Hubbard doll was staring at her from the cluttered shelves next to a Howdy Doody lunchbox. Seth turned to her, gently pulling her hand away, and she looked into his kind eyes. He tipped his lips to hers. I hope we will take off more than that. I owe you, if I remember correctly. Jeannie giggled, actually giggled. She was fourteen again, going to fool around for the first time. A fresh start? A chance to start off differently? To get off differently? An antique held next to the lamp, seen in a whole new light.